And I want to throw that question out to us this morning. And so even there might be a moment of introspective, like going and looking at our hearts and going, am I one who is faithful? Have, have I run this, am I running this race well? Um, and when I stand before him, and I mean, even in Revelations, it says, be faithful even unto death. Be faithful until death, and, and then I will re- he will give us the crown of life. Can you believe like that? We would be faithful, not just in moments, but our entire life, we would be counted as men and women that are faithful. And you know, when I think about that, I realize that by me being faithful, often a close associated word with it is fruitfulness. When I'm faithful, fruit will be evident in my life. And maybe when you wonder where the, why there's no fruit in your life, then you've got then begs the question, well, am I being faithful? And so my prayer is this morning that this wouldn't be a, a heavy, this wouldn't be one to bring you under condemnation, because the word says there's now for no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So whenever we have preachers like this and we realize, oh, I need to adjust, we need not become condemned and feel guilty and go, oh, the amazing thing is Jesus Christ died for us. We can come to him, we can repent, and we can adjust, and we can change the trajectory that we're on through the blood of Jesus. And then in that, we can start to walk in a measure of what he's called us to. And my heart as a pastor, as an elder, as a leader, is to see each and every one of you walking in the fullness of what God has for you, no matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, that each and every one of us would be walking in the fullness of what Jesus has called us. And so we need to be men and women that are faithful, 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 faithful to the very end. You see, he likes to be my eyesight. See, <laughs> your neck's getting stiff. <laughs> faithful men and women. And so, when I think of faithfulness, and, and so even for us on Wednesday, we got together. And for those of you who missed it, I, I, as one of the elders under Andrew, who who sets vision and doctrine and direction for us as a congregation, and I implement that here as part of the eldership, we asked quite a a hard question of you guys, and quite a, what's what's, what's the word, it was a tall, but instruction, that we would batten down the hatches and stop listening to all the outside voices. For those of you who missed it, we just felt for a season, and I'm not going to go into too detail, so if you get, you're getting the shorthand here, we just felt that there are that there's just too many outside voices out there. And for right now, for this season, as Joshua generation, can we silence the outside voices and listen just to the Lord and actually just read the Bible? Let's cut all those devotionals because it's normally one scripture and a whole paragraph of devotionals. Let's cut all that just for the next season. We don't always ask these things of the church, but we, just for this next season, we're feeling just to just to close the windows, close the doors of all those outside voices. And to be honest, many of us enjoy outside voices, and we enjoy reading and hearing about what other people have to say about Scripture. But so often we forget to just hear the Lord for ourselves. And so this might just even be a season of where we go into just reading only the Bible, nothing less, nothing more, only the Bible. And how do you know that actually that is quite hard? (laughs) I struggled. To prep my preach for this morning. I'll be honest with you, because how often I realize, how often do I want to hear what other people have to say on the topic? Hey, and that's how preachers prep. They go and they read that, and they get this, and they get that. And I was suddenly faced with this, of, and I was, every now and again, I'd be like, ah, 
pull myself back. Like, I had to catch myself a few times. I'd start reading. Oh, no, I shouldn't be reading that. And so I'd just been real. It's like the real, the struggle is real. And so just reading the word. And so what it did do, it made me look at a piece of scripture and just started to pull it apart for what it is. And I want to turn into, I want to turn together into the book of Matthew, chapter 25. And many of us know the story. And so if you've heard this preach before, great. You're hearing it again. You're going to hear it again and again and again. I tell you what, I don't care how many times I hear a preach because there's always something different that I'll pick up in it. There'll be the Spirit of God. There'll be life in it in a way that I might not have seen before. I mean, even the other day I was reading, I mean, I think I shared on Wednesday, I was reading the Scripture, and this one Scripture jumped out at me. But let's turn to Matthew 25, and we all know the story fairly well. It's the, math, it's the story about the talents. Nothing's really sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to distract me. Sorry, my ADD thing. What's that thing? It's out of place. <laughs> you laugh. If you, you'll notice there's some fresh marks on the floor for where the chairs go. People know me and my chair story. So anyway, <clears throat> I'm faithful with packing out the chairs. You did, don't miss the mark. All right. Okay, let's read together. Let's read together. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. And so also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug it in the ground and hid his master's money. Let's carry on. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he had received the five talents and came forward, bringing five talents. And he, and he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more. Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, yeah, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been, you have been faithful over little, and I will set over you over much. Enter into the joy of the master. And he, also, and he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward and saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. And here you can have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sowed and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received that what That was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast a worthless servant into the outer darkness, in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yo, that's quite hardcore. Thank you, Lord, for your word. It's life. And thank you as we read it that we would just suddenly see what you are wanting to show us and that we would learn 
and we would grow and we would go forward. Judah, can we go back to this, the, the verses 14, that first, those first few, first few verses there? Just looking from the first part of that section, it's, for me what's interesting that I see about this, and now this is how you have to work when you've got no one telling you how to read a scripture. You've got to look at each word, each sentence, each structure and see how it's put together. Okay. The first thing that jumps out at me there is that the, the master, he entrusts them his own property. It's not, doesn't belong to the servants, it belongs to the master. Belongs to the master. And each and every one of us have been entrusted something, and it's not ours. That, for me, is quite a revelation. When you when suddenly you think, just think of that, that actually everything we do, everything we have is not ours. It actually belongs to Jesus. Suddenly puts a whole different spin on things, because suddenly you realize that what you, because often we think, I'm, I'm looking after my own, but actually we're not. We're actually looking after the masters. My children are not mine. They are his. My money is not mine. It is his. My time is not mine. It is his. Everything I have, my gifting, everything that I have is, does not belong to me. That's how I, when I look at that, I'm going, nothing I have is mine. And so I'm actually being entrusted something that belongs to the master. Jesus, our master. And so I better make sure I look after it. I better look after it well. I better do with what, it, what, he, what, what he expects of me. This is not mine. And if I give it back to him, you know, we, we as parents grow up with our kids and we, you know, we, we, we encourage them to share toys and things like that. But how many of you know if, if, if your kid breaks somebody else's toy, you're going to go and buy them a new toy? And so and this, is not, this is not a new toy. We can, we've been given something to look after that isn't ours. We better look after it. I mean, I, I mean, we often tell our kids, you look after that toy. It's not yours now. I kind of think. Or if someone lends me their car, I look after it. If I break it, I'm going to fix it. <laughs> Tundi knows. She's been lent a vehicle. <laughs> she knows what it means to look after it. But I hope, you know, it's not only just looking after it and making sure it doesn't break down, but making sure it's clean and making sure that the outside looks clean, that, it, that, that it's been vacuumed. Hey, that there's petrol in it, that the oil's checked, that, that, that it's regularly serviced. When we look after what doesn't belong to us, we make sure that it's in good nick because we're the ones using it. And so these men were entrusted something that was not their own. And so have we. We've been entrusted something that is not our own. And, and, you know, and we can then see <clears throat> that they were each given something different. They all weren't given the same thing. We, all, we have each been given something different. Some have been given five, some have been given two, some have been given one. But they were all servants. It doesn't say they each had a different status in the master's house. It doesn't say that this, he was the manager and he was the sub-manager. They were just servants. There was an equality amongst them, but each one was given something different. And so for me, if I look at that, we've all been given something different. Something different. It's, maybe we, we, I think the way we want to think is... Given, he's been given more and I've been given less. But actually, they were given something different. So for different value, like, and, and the, the point of the matter is what they did with what they were given. And in this case, we can then see it unfolds of how the one guy who had five made another five, the one guy who had two made another two, and the one guy that had one. And you would, you would think, like, why would the guy that had the least actually then go and bury it, not even just put it in the bank at least, like, why, why, was, why did he have that mindset? Well, I don't think it goes anything to do with what he was given. It actually gets, it talks about the heart of the individual. 
And maybe, maybe there was a measure of he despised the one person who had this greater gift and said, well, like maybe there was an attitude of his heart in that moment of going, well, I wasn't given that, so I'm not going to be faithful with it. Like I'm just going to bury it in the ground. I mean, I know it goes into expound where he almost blames the master a little bit further. You see how he blames the master? His first point of call, he says, oh, you were a hard master. You, you reap where you didn't reap, and you sowed where you didn't sow. And he actually turns it around. We actually, yeah, he's looking to blame the master. And actually, he's the one to blame. No one, like, he was just given a different portion. But his immediate response when he gets called to task on what he's done with his money is he blames the master. I'm like, that doesn't make sense for me. Like, why do you want to blame the master? And that's sometimes how we go. When we, when we are... In that, and I'll get there now. I'm running ahead of myself. But let's take a few steps. So here we've been given something that isn't ours. So what, what have you been given? What have you been entrusted with? And I think we can break it down. For me, there's a good, and I'm doing what Dan does. He likes to use T's. The three T's, what Dan likes to use first letters. And they are, for me, it's summed up basically in three things. Time, treasure, and talent. We've all been given time, we've all been given talent, and we've all been given treasures. So let's look at time first. And that, you know, I actually realized I was sharing with the, the, the rooted students of the Benoni Church. So rooted, we've got a rooted year. Those are our Josh Jane kids, older, teen, younger teenagers. But Benoni Church, City on a Hill, has a, 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 like TMT, and they're called Rooted, all right? And I was sharing with them, I said, there's one regret that I have as, a, as an older man now, is that I can't get the time back that I've lost. I can never get the time back that I can make good use of the time I have now, but I can never have the time back that I've lost. And I looked at these youngsters of 18, 19, 20, and I said, please, whatever you do, make sure you make good use of the time now. Because when you get to my age, it's one thing you can't get back. And I don't want to have regrets. And none of us want to have regrets. And so we've been given time. And so we need to steward our time well. We need to steward our time well. We need to be faithful with our time. Firstly, I mean, that's really what we need to do. So we've got time on this earth. Are we being faithful with the time given us? Are we, being, are we spending time with our family? Are we spending time in church? Are we spending time with the Lord? Now, I've actually said that backwards. Let's take it how it should be, because there is, I think, the areas of priority. And when we give things priority and importance, we always have time for everything else. So are we firstly spending time with the Lord? Are we giving Him most of our day? And does that mean you have to be sitting, praying, reading the Bible all day long? No, it doesn't. But it does mean that everything you do needs to be rooted in a revelation of Him and who you are in him and what in who you are and, and what you can achieve through him. Because he's your father. He loves you. He died for you. And so I do everything I do with this revelation and trusting that God's going to give me an opportunity to share the gospel, to, to love on someone, to share a gentle word, a kind word. But it's it's done out of a depth and a love for him. Not out of, not, not out of a just doing it for the sake of doing it. I do what I do because I love my father. And I realized that this last week, that what everything we do, even just hearing Andrew share yesterday and Saturday, Friday, again, just saying that everything we do needs to be rooted in love for him. Otherwise, it's meaningless. It's meaningless. It has no value, no bearing. So my time, the time that he gives me, I need to be a good steward of it. I can't be wasting it away just doing what suits me, actually. Because one day I will run out of time. 
<clears throat> and I will regret not having built into relationships, not furthered the kingdom of God. And I never want to be one who lives in regrets. Be faithful. And being faithful with that time doesn't only mean that we're faithful with the amount of time, but it's also being faithful with, with keeping time. Can we keep time? Can we keep time? When we say we're going to be there at 5 o'clock, can we be there at 5 o'clock? You know, that's, that's a test of your heart. That, you can, when you say, that, that we need to be people of, of our word. I, I think I was sharing, um, I've shared it often with guys in, in, their own business, in their own businesses, that there's such a, a lack of people in the business world that are, are punctual, thank you, that stick to their, their word. Like, I'm, I say I'm going to be there at five, I'm there at five. Actually, and I always have a saying, early is on time. On time is late, and late is unacceptable. I need to be faithful with my time, my management of my time. If I can never be on time for a meeting, I've got to go back and go, can I look at why am I always late? What, it, what is causing me? You know, church starts at nine, and then I rock up at two past nine or five past nine. And actually, church starts at half past eight with prayer. And so why, when Chad asks us to be there at 8.30 for prayer, I can't do that? Well, is it a test of your heart? Is it going, oh, no, it's not important to me. Well, we should be devoted to prayer. We should be devoted to prayer. The Bible says we need to be devoted to prayer. Are we devoted to that thing of just keeping time, man managing it well? And actually, you know, because I've realized that many of us can be devoted, we can be punctual in the marketplace, like for businessmen. They, they've got a 9 o'clock meeting, and I can't be late for that 9 o'clock meeting. So you'll give someone in the world... Your time, but when it comes to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Creator of heavens and earth, you can't give him your time. It's a bit of a value system that needs to sh shift. And so that's one of the things we've been talking about over the last while as well: our values. And so our values and how we build is actually established in our faithfulness, because we we want to be counted as men who are faithful, and women. Don't forget the women. <clears throat> our time, our treasure, our finances. And I've asked Benny actually to come and preach, and he might pop in next week, I think it is, whatever, to actually come and preach on finances and what it means to be faithful stewards with our finances. Because we actually forget sometimes that, that that also belongs to him. Our finances belong to him. Who do you think got you the job? Your good looks? <laughs> or maybe, <laughs> especially if you're a model. <laughs> I'm a model, and I do what I want to. <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw it in there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just got it stuck in my head now. I'm <laughs> eh? Rabbit hole. Yes, you might have studied and done well, but who gave you that ability to study? Who gave you that talent, that, that ability to crunch numbers and to, to be able to figure out problems that would be used in the marketplace? We've been given treasure. We've been given finances. What are we doing with our finances? Are we squandering it on our own entertainment and on our own things, or are we actually furthering and building the kingdom of God? And there's a balance in it. I'm not saying that we now have to live as paupers and like we need to you know, be scraping ends together. And like, but there's a balance in what do we do with the, the money that God has given us? Many of us have excess and that just goes into getting fancier cars and fancier houses and starting. You know, I've noticed that 
actually, I've even, to be honest, I think it happens in all of us that the more we have, the higher the standard of lifestyle. Just suddenly I've got more money and suddenly I don't know where the money's gone. Suddenly there's an availability of finances and suddenly I'm like, yo, I can't give an account for all that money. Have we, have, have we experienced that ever? Like suddenly there's just this overflow or you're in a season where there's, there's finances coming in and suddenly that money just goes quicker, 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 quicker. When the money's tighter and when we suddenly have to count the pennies, we can actually stretch it a lot further. We can make it go where it didn't seem to be able to go before. Suddenly, it's funny how that works. Eh? The more we have, the more we want. And so we need to be faithful with our finances because we are here to build God's kingdom, not ours. And then what about our talents? And this is something that I think many of us go, man, I've been, you know, I'm this person or I'm that person. I'm, um, and I believe this thing of our talents is not only our gifts and our natural giftings. Some of us are great at hosting and great at preaching or great at... Prof- it's not only those, those things, but it, it encompasses everything that, that God has given us and blessed us with. Every single thing, every single thing that he's blessed us with in terms of our makeup, of who we are, how we, how we greet people, how we, how we treat people, whatever it is, that is so important that, when, that we are good stewards of that and we do it well in a way that is honoring to him. When you open your home and you host someone, do you do it in a way that is honoring, pleasing to the Lord or you just give the bare minimum kind of thing or... Like, do you do things excellently? Like, he's given you, he's given you a talent. Maybe he's given you the ability and so to, to play a musical instrument. And, and you know that he's called you to lead worship or be part of the worship team. And you just never practice that piano. Never prepare yourself so that he could use you. I, I got a little bit of a rap over the knuckles the last while. I shared it with some of the guys. Because I play the piano, some of you know. And I sing. And, and I have... Now, I can hide behind all the reasons because I'm leading a congregation and I'm having to pastor and I'm having to preach and I'm having to do so many other things. But one of the things the Lord said to me, he said, yes, you've done well at strengthening your weaknesses, but you've neglected your strength. And I needed to get back to that. And so I just had to go, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. And even I needed to get back into playing, playing the piano again and just sitting behind the piano and playing, not for any reason, but just because something is given me and I need to be faithful with what he's given me. I think we so often hide behind all these excuses. I mean, life has got so busy. And I, I could, I could totally hide behind that, man, I'm seeing people daily and I'm in meetings and then I'm prepping and then I'm spending time with the Lord, but I'm neglecting that one thing that he's given me that I know is, is my strength. And so I need to be faithful. And so we've got to almost stop and ask ourselves the question again, what are our strengths? Have we neglected those things? Even those, those first desires, like, man, God, I always wanted to be a, a drummer. And then I played the drums for a bit, and then I neglected it. And then I was like, no, we can't neglect what God has given us. There may, there may be seasons where, where it's not the focus, and it's, there's no necessarily outward use of that gift, but we've still got to be faithful with honing that skill and just keeping it in check and go, man, I'm, I'm, and so that we could at the drop of a hat be asked to stand up and lead worship or preach. If you're a preacher, if you have a desire to preach, if you're someone like that, that you would have, you would be ready that if you came into the service and, and I had to say, hey, Ratif, won't you preach this morning, man? I just feel there's something in, and you, I've got to preach ready. I'm ready to go kind of thing. <laughs> See, I did it. That's the, that's it. 
that we could just at the moment, like, you know, I've, I have always been like that. Even with my ability to play the piano and lead worship, I know that I need to be ready, that at the drop of a hat, I can get up and lead worship. I've neglected it a little bit in the last while, but yet I still have that ability. But the thing is, you can rely on what I knew back then, but I need to be living in a fresh revelation now, constantly. Because I know I have that ability. And so there was a season in my life where, I must be honest, I think I got a little bit arrogant about it, and I had to watch my heart because I knew that, that in the eldership, we would go to meetings and these big times, and that if nothing had been planned for worship, I could get up the drop of a hat and lead worship. And I, and I would often go, oh, I wonder how many of these guys could get up and preach at the drop of a hat kind of thing. It was a little bit of a, you know, I was a little bit naughty, I must confess. I used to have that little thing in my heart and I'd go, I'm sorry, Lord, that's not right kind of thing. But I knew that I could get up at the moment. Like if Merv just had to come to me or Andrew said, hey, bud, will you lead us in worship? No, we didn't prep anything. Like we forgot about that. Or like the guy that's supposed to be on is sick at the last moment. Can you get up and do what he's asked you to do? Can you, that drop of a hat, get up and go, I know what to do. Even like, like serving here in the church, that like, hey, the team on duty, suddenly they're sick, they're all out, they're all at conference, they're all at youth camp. Can you get up and do whatever you need to do well and excellently? Community, oh man, community, suddenly the comm leader's sick and dying and like the whole family's out. Kind of thing. <laughs> like, ah, feels like we've all been dying the last few months kind of thing. It's like, <laughs> he's like in bed, like bronchitis, like, God, let community tonight. That you go, I'm there, I can do it. You don't have to go, oh, but, uh, no, I'm not, I haven't, I haven't spent time with the Lord. I don't know what the Lord's asking. Rubbish. We should be a people that are constantly, we, we're in it, like we know, you know, like the Lord has been speaking to me about this, and I can step in at the, at the drop of a hat and go, man, I'll lead community tonight, or, or I'll lead prayer meeting, or whatever it might be. And this is not just to us as leaders, this is to us as saints, because we are all called to the work of the ministry, not just the elders, not just the deacons, not just the community leaders. But if you have a relationship with Jesus, you are called to be faithful. Remember, I said he, he, he used the language there, let's go back, his servants. We're all his servants. It wasn't like his head servant was given five and his subservant was given two, whatever. We're all his servants, and he entrusts entrust us all his property. But there, I think, to each according to his ability. We all have abilities. Are you being faithful with your ability? And are you strengthening your weak abilities? And are you strengthening your strong abilities? I think that, that for me has been this, a real revelation because I know what my strengths are. I mean, come on. Like, who doesn't know what your strengths are? If you, if you struggle with that, maybe we need to have a coffee or maybe we can... We can, we can have a chats and find out about things and figure out what are your strengths. And I'm sure all of us want to know what are we strong at? What are we? But by now you should really know what your strengths are. But if, but if you don't, we need to figure that out so that you can work on them. But then, and then we know what our weaknesses are. I mean, who, who, who's bold enough to say what their weakness is and how they're working on it? <laughs> Check it out. Hands up. Hi. Who? Miller. Okay, what's your weakness? Discipline. How are you working on it? <laughs> Accountability. Yeah, okay, Trevor. What's your weakness? Eh? Communication. How are you working on it? How are you working on it? He's communicating better. Henry, what's your weakness? One of my many weaknesses is not talking about what my weaknesses 
<laughs> okay? Not talking about what his weaknesses are. Okay, how are you going to bow? Are you going to tell us what your weaknesses are? Okay, moving along now. Who else? Who's got weaknesses? Yeah, Murray. Admin and communication. How are you, how are you improving your admin? <laughs> Employing a secretary. <laughs> I, it's funny, like we talk about communication. Many of us are shocking at communicating. We are unfaithful in communicating. Some of us are over-communicators, and sometimes that can be like, also unfaithful because just give us the important stuff. Don't tell us what color the orange jacket was that the man was wearing with a hat kind of thing. Just tell us, you know. We need to, we need to be faithful in communicating. We need to be faithful with these things in order that when we are leading people that they know where they're going. Admin helps. Being a good administrator helps. And I love two of, the thing, two of the things. How do we strengthen those weaknesses? Will we be accountable? We have people in our lives that know that about a weakness. And, then, and that, you know, when they give us that WhatsApp and say, Trevor, you're not communicating, you don't duck, get all. You actually, oh, I hear you. Oh, man, I missed it again. We need to be faithful. You know what I, I love as well? Let's, I'm going to jump a bit because I, I don't want to talk too long this morning. Um, the one thing that jumped out at me in that portion of Scripture, it said he had been given little and was faithful with the little, more will be given. I want to just hop on that a little bit kind of thing. Hop, that's a funny word. I don't know why I've got that one. I want to just spend a little bit of time on that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, often some of us are wanting positions with, within ministry and wanting responsibility, and maybe um, we want to be entrusted with stuff, but we actually haven't been, even been faithful with the little things. Things like on time. We want to be a community leader, but we're never on time ourselves. How do you expect to be a community leader if you can't be faithful with something like your time? You want to, you want to be, you know, you want to be a, a leader in the church, but actually you struggle with your own children getting them to listen to you. That's a big thing. People often say, I want to be a leader in the church, but I can't even get, but you can't even get your own children to listen to you and do what, they, do what they're told. No, that's hard. I'm just going to put it out there because guys are going, man, I want to be a comm leader. I want to be a deacon. I want to be an elder. But I can't even get my own children. Like, my own children won't even listen to me. I can't, I can't even get my dog to listen to me. No, that's a different story. <laughs> it's a true story. <laughs> No, but honestly, we, 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 we're wanting these things that are up there, but on the basics of time management. I mean, and I know guys often look at the, oh, the community leader, the status, they want to be that, but they, they, they're not tithing. They, they, they can't be faithful with their finances. They, they're not being faithful in giving their, their wives time and spending time with their families. They're running, you know, like, I'm so busy, like, ministry, 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 but the, 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 the important things are being neglected. The important things. And so often I've seen it in guys when they, they, there's a sense you can see the gifting, you can see the calling of the life, and suddenly it's those little things that are getting neglected. They're not being faithful with, and then they wonder why they're being benched. It's maybe because you just need to ask the question, well, what areas am I not being faithful with? Have I, have I been faithful in the small? Because we, we, want bigger, we want bigger stuff, but we're not even faithful with the small. I, you know, I think for me, like I always... I, I, I wouldn't say I desired eldership always. I desired to serve the Lord full-time. 
all my life. From the young age, you'd ask me what I want to do with my life one day when I grow up. I wanted to serve the Lord. If you ask me, well, what, what do you mean serve the Lord? I'd said, I don't know. I just want to serve the Lord. Whether it means packing out chairs every Sunday morning, cleaning the toilets, making tea and coffee, sweeping the floor, whatever it is, I want to serve the Lord. I want to serve the body. But I want to do it, for, I, I, want to, I want that to be my full-time job. I don't want to have to go and get a, you know, earn, earn, earn a living. And I want to serve the Lord full-time. And so I don't know what that looked like. And, and, you know, as a young man coming through the ranks, 20 years old, now I'm like, okay, oh Lord, I'm not serving you yet. What's going on here? And, and I, I realized I needed to be faithful just with what was put in front of me. Just with what was, first it meant being faithful in my walk with him and my relationship with him. Hello, if I can't get that right, how do you expect me to lead people? If I can't be leading myself, if I can't be allowing him to lead me, how can I expect to lead people? So I needed to just put those things into place and spending time with him, being disciplined. He needed to put that practice of discipline. And that's part of the reason why I exercise like I do is because I know that helps me with discipline. You know, I mean, it's so easy just to wake up and go, oh, no, not today. I don't feel like it. But it takes a bit of effort to get up and get out there and exercise and keep fit or whatever. So I did that for a season in my life where literally every morning, come rain or shine, I would get up at 6 o'clock in the morning and go for a run. And I tell you, it broke something in me of just this discipline, spiritual discipline of reading the Word, spending time in the Word. I mean, I want to preach, but I never read the Word. Like that, that was an area that I got challenged in as a young man. Some of the guys said, Chad, God's called you to, to, to write music. And then, they, well, that, that's what I felt. I wanted to write music. I wanted to write songs. But one of the guys said, well, how much time are you spending in the Word? And I had to go, I'm not enough. He says, well, if you, want nice, if you want songs, spend time in the Word. I know that when my preaching's good, it's because I'm spending a lot of time in the Word. When I, when I start to preach well and I can feel a move of the Spirit, I can feel anointing, it's because I'm actually spending a lot of time in the Word. So I need to be faithful with the little things. I've got to be faithful. If I want to be entrusted with more, I've got to be faithful with those things. And so even as a young man, I remember, man, I'd love to, like, I didn't know what it looked like. And so I just was faithful. I was faithful with my wife. I was faithful in, in building my relationship, in loving her as a young man, just dealing with the rubbish in my life. Like, I just was faithful to sort that out, bring it before the Lord. And, and slowly but surely, God started to go, well, you know what? I have plans and purposes for you. And because you've been a faithful man, I will start to entrust more to you. And so even now, when I look at what I'm walking in now, yes, it's, I mean, it feels like, I mean, I only, I only came into serving the Lord full-time at the age of about 31 or 32. I think, yeah, and that's why I so often look back of those 12 years. I wish, I'd, I wish it had happened when I left school kind of thing. And I had about 11, 12 years of just going round and round the mountain, <laughs> learning some hard lessons. I wish I had learned those lessons sooner. I wish I had learned the discipline, the faithfulness. And, and I had, and just applying it to my life so that I could be the man, actually, that, that is not having it taken away from me and, and given to someone else. God was gracious, and He is gracious, and He is merciful. He really is. But how long will His grace last? I, like, I think sometimes I just... Someone actually said to me the other day, like they were just dealing with, with some stuff, and I, they had a family member that, that they believed was a, 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 had followed the Lord their entire life. Like they, they'd always, and, and they, and, and, and some stuff about the, the, this family member came out, and they, they suddenly wondered if, if he had died in an unrepentant state, would he be in heaven? 
I was like, yo. So, I mean, I don't, I don't want to twist. That's quite a mind bender. But I suddenly had this moment of realization. If the, had this man been faithful to the day he died, would he be facing, or would the Lord be able to say to him, well done, my good and faithful servant? Or there was stuff that was hidden and kept in dark places that no one knew about and came out after he died. Then suddenly, having to deal with this question of like, was he actually standing as one counted as faithful before the Lord? And I was like, oh, Jesus, that's just such a wake-up call for me because I do, I want to be counted as one who's faithful. That when I stand before you one day, that you would say to me, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You would not look at me and say, be away with me, you wicked and lazy. You know, wicked and slothful. Well, slothful, lazy. Well, you know what a sloth is. They, they're super slow. You're wicked and slow to learn. Let's not be slow to learn. Let's not be those people that take for 20 years to actually walk in the plans and purposes of Please, if that, like, for you youngsters, learn now. Learn now. Get these things right, because when you're my age and older and you have all these, man, if only, if only, if only. By God's grace, I mean, he does. His grace is on us. And so I'm grateful that I am walking in what I am now. But I do, I'll be honest with you, I do have regrets. I do have regrets. If only I'd learned those lessons then. If only I'd been faithful back then. And so I think, uh, like, uh, you know, God's calling us. He's wanting us to lift up the bar. I think it's almost like what we've got away with in the past, actually we're not going to be getting away with anymore. I feel that even prophetically, that that God is calling us to be a, a people of purpose and intent for His kingdom. That we need to be people that are counted for righteousness. That we would be a people that stand for truth. That we would be a people that do not give in to sin. That we would be really those that, are, that, that when we stand before him one day, he says, well done, my good and faithful. Were you faithful? Not just faithful when you felt like it, but faithful when you didn't feel like it. Faithful through the thick of the thin, faithful to the end. That it's not just when you feel like it or when, when the going is good or when it's, a, when it's payday or when it's a nice weather day. Like, I oh, will only go pray when the sun's shining. We'll come to church only when there's, when there's no rain. Like, no, that we would be people that would be devoted, committed to Him, solely committed to Him, growing, intent and growing in our own relationship with Him. That we wouldn't just be satisfied with, with just the status quo, that we would be constantly hungering more and more for Him. And, and I, I love that when I spend moments with some of the young guys, when they go, man, God has been doing something in my heart, and I'm just, I, I can't do it like I used to do anymore. Something's shifting, something's changing. And I go, yes, yes, thank you, Jesus. Faithful, 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 faithful men. And why do we do it? Why? I want to close with that story of, of David's mighty men. In Samuel, there's a story about these, these men of David. They were counted to him like his warriors. Now, David in himself was quite, quite a mad, mighty man himself, but I can only imagine that David probably got to where he was because of these men around him. On his own, he probably would have got so far. But with these mighty men, and I think there were about 37 of them, if it hadn't been for those men, I don't think he would have accomplished as much as he did. But there's a story in the Bible, and some of you might know it well, where there were these three men in particular that one day caught wind of a passing comment that David made. Just a passing comment. It wasn't an instruction. I can imagine he was sitting around the fire after a hard day's battle or whatever, running from Saul, 
and just going, man, I'm so thirsty. I long, I long for that water from that well in Jerusalem. I long for that water. And these three, three soldiers, they just happen to hear it and can imagine. One guy says, hey, did you hear it? Hey, hold my beer. <laughs> hold my beer. <laughs> did you hear what David said? He just dropped something. Man, like I can imagine these guys. They like just, how cool would it be if we went and got him some water from that well? Come. And they, 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 probably, like, they probably like spurred each other on and said, like, let's go for it. And so these three guys set off to go and get a wineskin of water from that well for David. And so they saddle up, or whatever they might have done, they get on their battle gear, and they are, the, they are those recce guys. I mean, I've been, I love those kind of movies where you've got one man taking out a whole army of 20 oaks. It's like, you know, some of them are quite, like, hectic. Like, like they shoot the oak about six times, and he's still not dead kind of thing. I don't know how they make these movies nowadays. I, I think, anyway, so these three guys, they get, they get on, they get out there, and they, they, take, they dodge all the... All the um, the, the, what's, hey? No, not the bullets. <laughs> they didn't have bullets back then. <laughs> they dodge all the arrows, but they, they, they must have snuck around the guards. They dodge all the guards. They sneak around. They sneak around. They get out there. These guys are going to go and get David what he wants. And he hasn't asked for it, eh? He's just passingly made a comment. I lo- Man, and they're going to they're get it. And they, 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 they infiltrate the enemy ranks. They sneak around. They're like fully COVID operations kind of thing, you know? <laughs> they didn't have night vision those days. And they, they go and they fill up that, 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 that um, wineskin with that water and they get back. Like, you know, they must have been, I don't know if they killed a few soldiers on the way or whatever it did, but they get back and they bring it to David. And David's response for me is something that blows me away because he looks at this. And now these guys, they've just done this thing. They've like risked their lives, this water. And David says, man, woe be it that I drink of this water. And so why do we do what we do? Do we do it, did they do it for David? Yes, in their minds, they might have done it for David, but David just realized that how dare I drink what you guys have risked your lives for, for myself, where actually I need to give it unto the Lord. And so for me, what that shows is their actions weren't much for David, but they actually were for the Lord. They were a sacrifice unto the Lord. And so what does that say about our faithfulness and everything that we do? Everything we do is not for us. It's not for Chad. You don't do these things for Chad. You don't do them for, we don't do them for Andrew. We do them for the Lord. Because you know what? I might not even notice. I might, it might, I'm like, oh, thanks, great. Okay, move along, you know. I mean, that's really what David, I can imagine. Says, oh, okay, you brought, you brought me water. You did what? Well, you're nuts. I can't drink this water. We're all thirsty. No, and he pours it out. I can imagine those guys. And their, I can, their, their attitudes, I'm sure, were right. They didn't go, seriously? Did Ava just do that? Did he just pour out that water? No, I can imagine they suddenly, they had, they had a revelation of going, oh my goodness, yes, we did that. We were faithful. We risked our lives. We poured out ourselves. But it's not for David. It's actually for Jesus. It's actually for Jesus. And so as he calls us to be these men and women that are faithful in his kingdom, as we build his kingdom, that it's actually you're not doing it for Chad. You're not doing anything for your wife or your husband, but you're doing it for Jesus. Because sometimes we, I mean, we're wired to do things to get a pat on the back. These guys didn't get a pat on the back. They actually got a, they almost feels like they might have got a, like a, rep, a, a reprimand. What did you do that for kind of thing? But they didn't worry about that. They knew that they had been faithful. They were faithful. 
And so for us as well, don't let the lack of recognition or the lack of man's recognition prevent you from doing what God has called you to do. Because he'll always disappoint. I will always disappoint. You might catch me on a bad day where I'm really exhausted. Like not, a, not on a bad day, but on a day when I'm really tired and I'm just not attentive as I normally am. And you've, like, you've gone and done X, Y, and Z. And you go, Chad, we did this, we did this. And I just go, okay, great, thanks. And you're like, what? I just did that for Chad. I just did that. And he didn't even thank me. He didn't even thank me. Why are we doing what we do? Why do we serve you? Like, I was there early. I said, I made these beautiful muffins. <laughs> Did Chad even notice my muffins? Which muffin? I just ate my wife's muffins because they're the nicest muffins. <laughs> but why do we do what we do? Are we doing it for Chad's recognition, for the elders, for Andrew's recognition? I've actually learned that as well over the years. I don't do this for Andrew. I do this for Jesus. Andrew might be the one who's asked me to do this. I might have asked you to be a com leader, or we might ask you to be deep, but it's actually we do this for Jesus, for Jesus. We need to find the faith in that, to do it for him, to do it well, to do it in a way that is pleasing and acceptable to him. Why don't we stand together? And I want to close it there. And I, like, uh, I don't want, like, you know, so often, like, the, the temptations to call for a response and, 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 and for us to pray. But I feel like these are moments that we can, we can either just walk out the door and not be faithful with the word. And this is almost like the test of it. Can we be faithful? And so the, if this is you, if you go, man, I know that I've been faithful. I've moaned and groaned when no one's looking I've had an attitude or, man, even when I've been asked to do things and, and I just have done half measures, you know, I don't, I don't want to I don't want to single you out. I don't want to, like, look, oh, that's that person kind of thing because you know where you are with God. And you know what? He is looking for hearts. He's looking for hearts. This is what 2 Chronicles says. It says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself, Strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him.